Hello and welcome to episode 37 of My Dog Will Eat My Face. Join with me as we rapidly approach number 40 in this long adventure. It's certainly gone on longer than I expected. What can I say? My body is not being put down so gently to rest as one might have otherwise expected. <laughs> I'm quite the feisty pain in the rump of our good old friend Death as he tries to scoop me up with his scythe and take my soul to the beyond. Instead, he's just, I guess, getting a bunch of divots every time he takes a swing. I imagined a, a dark specter trailing behind me, swinging furiously down, almost at its feet. And every time hearing a loud chunk as though he was ringing the earth's bell itself and kicking up nothing but a mingled matter of dirt and a dibbit and a loud, damn it, <laughs> coming from the specter's face. That's my vision of what death is trying to do, trying to claim me anyway. A little elaborate. Um, that's probably a scene in my mind best preserved for a therapy session. But be that as it may, I'm still kicking. Much to my surprise and much to the surprise of all the medical professionals out there as well. So I can't be one to complain too much. But... Today, I wanted to bring up one thing that I had brought up before, more or less in passing. I perhaps wanted to focus in on it just one more time, because it really irked me. I was actually talking to my nurse, my hospice nurse, uh, just this last week, and... I was starting to get really overwhelmed. Mind you, this was only on a Monday. And I was getting all kinds of requests from folks on my hospice team wanting to come out and see me. And volunteers wanting to come see me. I, I get some volunteers that occasionally offer to do things or come by. and it Just, I don't know. I, I get volunteers that of, often offer to bring things and do stupid little tasks so uh, I get that on top of the regular cater of my usual uh, team members but I was just awash in this, this mass of people seeking me out trying to find my time to see me this next week and to find time that I might have to see them for just an hour here, 30 minutes there, or an hour later, or an hour here. And it became quite, quite uh, obnoxious, is not the right word. It became overwhelming, that's the right word. I, I truly became overwhelmed, and that's something difficult to do. Uh, we're talking about somebody here who could present to a courtroom. We're talking about somebody who gave training classes that lasted four plus hours in a settings filled with salespeople. That's no small task. <laughs> uh, any good salesman would agree. You, you try to sell the salespeople for four hours? You know, that, that's, uh, that's quite an accomplishment. But no, I... I was truly feeling overwhelmed with all these requests just to come visit and see me to where only on Monday, this last Monday again, I laid down the law, so to speak. I, I kind of put my fist on the table and I said, enough. Enough is enough. I'm not taking any more visits. No more, no more trips. No more team mates can come by. In fact, I'm canceling the ones that I have. 
I'm feeling totally overwhelmed. We'll do it next week. We'll do it next week. We'll do it next week. Became my my repetition as I called people to cancel on them what they had planned for this week. So I guess that just means my next week is going to be just as brutal. But the point is, is that I truly became overwhelmed with people. And that's um, an interesting fact. Here's somebody in hospice care, in medical disability, and I am completely overwhelmed with my fellow man and visits. And it came to the point where I had to lay my fist down, so to speak. I didn't literally bang the table. I wasn't uh, having a Mussolini moment or anything. But I did have to lay my fist on the table and say, enough is enough. This is ridiculous. All I do all day is see people. It's, it's, just, a, it's just a revolving door. And my building is high security, so every single person has to be cleared through, and so I have to give all their information to the security team and get them checked through. And if they change by like an hour, I have to notify the security team, and if they wish to switch with some other group or some other person, then I have to tell security. And it just became constant. All that I was doing was like setting up meetings with myself and I saw in the week ahead of me just no time none left for just myself and that that scared me that that to me was unacceptable and so I wish to upon seeing this and and laying down the law this past week of saying, I wish to be left alone this week. I, I wish to readdress this term of solitude. It's something I've brought up in previous podcasts, as I said, but perhaps not enough. It's something that I not only value, I practically lust after I, I truly enjoy my time alone with my thoughts and with my things and my memories and time spent to just ponder and to question and to read and to engage within my own inner dialogue and maybe have answers, maybe not. Those are the things that I really, really, really enjoy. And I'll even quote my favorite author, Christopher Hitchens, who has passed, obviously. He wrote of solitude. He said, I accept all of Rilke, another uh, writer, Rilke's implied challenges because of what he wrote about solitude and the ways in which it must be welcomed rather than feared in the moral and mental equipment of a radical or critical personality. This realization is of the essence that is, to realize that solitude is of the highest value of a critical mind is something that is extremely important. It's of critical importance if you are to become that critical mind. So I, I share that quote from Hitchens that I actually read when I was in my Orlando jail. <laughs> and I wanted to retouch here this week on solitude and what it means to me, your dear podcast peddler. And so without further ado, I shall get started.
Well, in, in getting back to the discussion with my nurse earlier this week, it took me a bit. She literally said, the members of your team tend to target you the most because you're most alone. You live by yourself. So they see you as somebody who truly needs conversation and needs somebody to be with them. I was quiet about it for a while. It took me a bit until I finally asked her, are you serious? Are you just egging me on? Are you just are you just playing with me? Are you teasing me? Like, you know, poor old little Joey needs his uh, pappies and uncles here or, or friends here to give him something to do. Uh, otherwise, all he'll have are his coloring books. I don't know. She didn't really answer. She didn't give me a firm yes or no. Which leads me to believe that there is some some sort of yes. There's probably a yes but in there. My guess is it's something like, yes, but once they get to know you, they realize how futile that might be or something like that. I don't know. I'm guessing. But it really did bother me. The thought that of all the customers they have, all their clients who are dying that they have in my hospice team, each one of these individuals could have 50 or so clients. It could get extraordinarily high, especially for things like social work. Um, nurses, no, it's not as high. It could be lower towards like 15 clients. But still, that's a lot of clients, but be ranked high amongst all those as the one needing most attention because I'm the one who's most alone seemed just outright crazy to me to be blunt I, I didn't quite uh, I didn't quite welcome that news and the reason being is Solitude and me are good, very good old bedfellows. We've gotten along for years, many years have gone past. And I don't have any fear of the solitude that many others do fear. I've actually been asked point blank wouldn't I want my family or my loved ones or my friends to be at my deathbed when I'm dying? My answer was no. I don't think I would care. I really don't think they would care. And this person was hurt that I would say such a thing. Like, why? Wouldn't you want that? It's just assumed you'd want your family to hold your hand and tell you everything's going to be okay. Well, everything's going to be okay or it's not going to be okay, irrespective of the level of my hand holding. <laughs> it's something that's never occurred to me, to be honest. I mean, that, that's the truth of it. That is the honest truth of it. It's, it's not so much as a hard no. That is, it's not something I would be opposed to. But it's something that I never truly thought about. It's something that never really meant anything to me. It, it was never of any importance to me to have my loved ones at my bedside. Or my family. Or my friends. And that dives to the very center of solitude itself. You can't get much more solitary than that. Than dying alone. There's no much more alone I can think of than that. And if that doesn't scare you, I think you're okay with solitude. <laughs>
so I think I'm absolutely okay with solitude. And, and I was really put off by the fact that people were reaching out to me and they were purposely inundating me with BS. Um, just because of the fact that I live alone. And even the fact that I've got a highly demanding little dog next to me at all times didn't seem to sway then. I was still alone. So, I, I, I guess my question to society and to everyone else is, is, is the why. Why is there this fear of solitude? Why is there such a despair of it? And, and why is it treated like it's the worst possible like it's the worst possible outcome imaginable that I truly don't get I think it gets equalized with other things like despair and loneliness for sure people I think naturally assume alone equals lonely and it's not well understood by a lot of people that you can be alone, but you're not lonely. Apparently, in my case, I need to get that phrase stuck on a t-shirt. I am alone. <laughs> I am not lonely. <laughs> Maybe then it could solve some of my problems. So I guess I should ask myself what it is about solitude that I fully welcome. Not unwelcome, not at all. I, I fully welcome and cherish solitude. I think what Hitchens said was right, where he said that it allows the person who is the uh, conveyor of the mind, who likes to live in a cognitive universe, who likes to experiment with their own facts and emotions and assumptions and, and thoughts and feelings the solitude allows them to do that they're not preoccupied by what Bob is saying right now or what Jennifer is on about right now he's not worried what other folks in the room might be thinking or saying and I don't care whether you're extro extrovert or introvert. You're not going to go in a room filled with people and say, I don't care what anyone thinks. That's just stupid. That doesn't make any sense. No matter what, at some level, you're going to want, you're going to care what other people in the room are thinking about you. I mean, if you're in there with no pants on, you're going to have a few feelings or two about the state of, of your condition. <laughs> um, it's stupid to me to say that there's absolutely no response when you're in a room full of people. Of course there's a response. If you're in a room filled with wasps, there's a response. If you're in a room filled with frogs, there's a response. If you're in a room filled with dandelions, there's a response. So that just doesn't mesh. But 
I think I think that is an obvious portion of it for me is that if I'm alone, I can exercise my thoughts. I can have self-discussion, introspection, thought, challenge my own thoughts. I could read others' thoughts, use those to challenge myself, and so on. And that's why Hitchens says solitude is, is of the utmost importance to a critical mind. And to a critical mind, what does he mean by that? Someone who can be constructive and critical to life on earth. Someone who could be objective and productive with their thought. That's a profound statement. Productive with their thought. That they are the kind of person that can will into existence by just through mere of their thought certain things. Immanuel Kant said, act as if the maxim of your action were to become through your will a general natural law. That exemplifies it most. And I think that's what exemplifies a person who enjoys solitude. Is that they feel, they know, in fact, it's not just feel, that they can enact a change on the world around them, no matter how big or small they want based upon their will and their desires and their actions. And that is profound. And that's what I think a critical thinker is. And it could be, unfortunately, negative. You know, it doesn't mean this person is a good person, a bad person, it doesn't mean anything. It just means that they are taking the time to do their will on this earth and their critical mind which means that they can see the good the bad, the ugly and they can engineer their mind to force what they want to be to be and I think that's that's the key distinction between people who love solitude which is myself and those who fear it, the people that fear it, they, they want to be told what to do. They want the comfort. There is an innate loving, comfortable place to be when you're in a, in a spot where no matter what, no harm can come to you, let's say, to where there is a father or mother figure there to protect you where you're just but a child with its meager thoughts and, and limited abilities and you get to now distract your childish mind with other things what does Sally think what does Sally listen to what what does Jake do when he gets home from school? I don't know. You know. These are the people that are occupied with others. In some professions, that's ideal. These are ideal roles. We need these people that are like this, obviously. But they're not critical minds. And they're not the kind of mind, kind of mind that I am. That's all there is to it. But I don't know why we expect loneliness. When instead we should expect <laughs> whatever the person is. The person is whatever the person is. They're, uh, they're either lonely or they're not. Being alone does not preset any emotion within a person. At least it should be understood to not do so.
It's just merely a state of being. But clearly, not everyone sees it like that because even my own hospice care team thinks that I am some sort of horrid victim and lonely person because I live alone. I tell them straight up, straight out, I love living alone. I would, I am a terrible roommate. I don't want a roommate. I don't want to live with anyone. I don't even want a relationship with someone. Uh, it, let me rephrase. I welcome a relationship with someone. I don't want to live with them. That's the bottom line. <laughs> I'll have a relationship, sure. But then, at the end of the day, they need to get the hell out. <laughs> It's still my house. They need to get out. Or I'm leaving their house. Whatever. That, that, that's, that's what I need. And so, in this last peak, I, last week, I enjoyed my alone time and spent it with my dog. It's, it's so funny. I wasn't alone at all. I spent it the whole time with my dog. He was very demanding. But, uh, ah, whatever. I'll take what I can get. At least I don't have humans nagging me. What are you thinking right now? What are you feeling right now? Why don't you shut up right now is what I want to say back. <laughs> I'm not that bitter, I swear. But I do appreciate and love and savor my solitude. And I definitely understand others like that out there perhaps it's you most likely it is if you enjoy podcasts most likely you have an inner voice and you enjoy solitude to some extent too might not be for all the time no I'm not saying all the time jeez but some of the time it's nice to have you would just to relax in a jacuzzi by yourself or maybe not by yourself <laughs> there's all sorts of good things that's all I'm really saying so one must ask why do we fear solitude so much in the first place? Frankly, I don't know the answer to that question. I've never had a strong fear of solitude. I was raised my whole life with my congenital health issue, so I grew quite accustomed to doing things on my own and building things and doing things and having my own faculties and, and creativity muster up enough things for me to do to fill a day, certainly. If not, certainly a whole child summer vacation and then some. I don't know why other people fear solitude. And that's just me being honest. I would have to seriously sit down and ask a lot of people, what is it about being alone that scares people I'm imagining like uh, Conan O'Brien on the streets <laughs> asking people something like this and I, I can I can imagine answers not unlike well it's nice to be loved yes it is nice to loved. You bet. What else?
That's all I can come up with. <laughs> and in fact, it's almost a total non sequitur. Because what does being loved have anything to do with having solitude? I sure hope that love is not a catalyst to losing time otherwise allotted to yourself. Maybe it is. Maybe this is why I'm so bad in relationships. <laughs> you know, I, I, I'm not kidding. Uh, I wonder. I, I welcome the community to leave comments. I'll actually open up community comments on this one. Because I, I can't think of what there is to fear. Now, with respect to, you know, it's nice to be loved. Yes. It doesn't mean that you don't have solitude. To me, these are two totally different animals. Think of the person you know who is infinitely busy but has no friends. We all know somebody. You just thought of another one. And then another. Probably. And. I, I struggle to get the connection. Except obviously having someone who loves you takes up time maybe that is exactly why I am so bad at relationships is I don't invest the time because I fully know and admit I am terrible at relationships <laughs> uh, and uh, investment is certainly one of those areas where I struggle enormously. I know it. I just know it. I've, I've had enough uh, reflection to realize certain patterns here. <laughs> but beyond that, I, I don't know what the fears might be. For me... Time alone is time spent reflecting upon my own feelings, understanding my feelings and my emotions. Which can grow the love of, a, of an individual tremendously obviously we all know this we've all been there we've all been there before anyone who's been in love you're separated from them and the more you the more you're separated the more you think of them and the more you think of them the more you love them obviously being separated doesn't stop the relationship at that moment Sure, being away from them for 40 years would probably stop the relationship. <laughs> but in our, in our normal lives, being away for, say, a week, I don't think it's ever stopped a relationship by and of itself. So, I'm truly at a loss. I don't know why people fear solitude. And, and uh, Sorry, I was trying to say to me it, it, what its values are. I mean, I, I get my thoughts collected. I get any feelings I have for another amplified. 
honestly, I have dismay or anger that I might have somebody escalate, as well as I have love and and cherishing escalate. Both good and bad go up. If I think of the person while I'm alone. But what's more is too is one once I'm alone I'm not <laughs> I'm not drawn down to petty issues. I, I'm not worried about what I'm gonna wear to so-and-so's house party this evening or something like that. I don't worry as much about that kind of thing. I indulge more in the pleasures of the mind. So, hopefully you listeners can leave some comments and tell me what what are things feared in solitude that you feel that you can never attain with solitude or you feel that you could lose with solitude or what is it about it that scares you? Look, let's go back, for example, dying alone. That never even occurred to me until someone asked me. And to this moment, I'm completely apathetic about it. It's something I never thought about. It's something I don't really care about. If I'm dead, I'm dead. If I'm dying, I'm dying. I don't care if I'm dying in a tropical rainforest somewhere or if I'm dying in the wheel well of a 747 landing gear or if I'm... I I don't know, being whacked in the desert outside Vegas by mafiosos? I don't know. Uh, You know, I I guess some things I would think, hey, this is actually a pretty good way to go. (laughs) Honestly. Honestly, that's the only thing I could see me thinking is, hey. (laughs) Hey, at least I'm getting whacked by my bookie. That's kind of cool. That's kind of cool. That's that's neat. (laughs) So, honestly, I'd have that, but to this moment, I, I don't see any point in having someone there with me while I die. In fact, I look, I actually look downly upon it. I look downly upon having someone with me while I die. I don't like it. It makes me uncomfortable. And the reason is, is because it's embarrassing. How messed up is that? How... Oh my gosh. How void can I be that that's my issue with it? Is that I am embarrassed to be dying <laughs> in front of someone. At the forefront of my head, if I put myself in this situation, I'm doing it right now. That's why I'm quiet. It's because I'm putting myself there. I'm picturing it. What am I doing? You know, what's it, what am I feeling? And uh, I feel embarrassment if someone's there. If it's me home alone in my bed, it's total apathy. 
I don't care. So I've certainly never had a drive to have someone be with me when I die. So I must be missing something. I have to come to this conclusion. I'm missing something. There's some element to this that I don't understand because of how it was described to me or something because I just don't get it. I don't get the attraction or the need or the feeling of comfort from perishing in the presence of another person. To me, that seems so macabre and so dull and embarrassing. Because we know what happens when you die. Your body for the the best of its abilities vacates itself there's going to be all kinds of fluids and matters coming out of every orifice I don't want that in front of my insert name here I'd rather have a guy who's well dressed in a nice clean suit Windsor tie not even a not even a half a Windsor. I want a full Windsor on the bastard. I want him to come out and say, "Oh, he's dead." <laughs> I want a clean, well-cut guy to say he's dead. That's it. That's how I imagine. I don't want to hold hands with someone. That sounds creepy. Who whose hand would I hold? And maybe that's because I'm single. I mean, because like, what would what I do? My 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 brother's hand? Yeah, <laughs> it's my brother. I mean, death or no, we're still brothers. <laughs> still going to be an ear moment about that. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it, it. I don't even know whose hand I would hold. Hold my dog's paw? <laughs> oh, he'd start nibbling on it and playing and squeaking and doing whatever else. He won't care. Hey. He, my, my dog is so filled with crack cocaine he will be the last entity on earth to know that I'm dead because he is just so out there <laughs> just, just bouncing around so much and just so jovial and just such a happy dog and he's, I love him to death but <laughs> looks like I'm literally going to love him to death because he just da boing da boing da boing da boing da boing just He's going to be the last individual to find out. Well, he died? <laughs> when? Two weeks ago. Oh, shit. Uh, and I've already been bleeped out several times for language. So if you hear audio blank, blank out in this podcast or during this rant, I apologize, it's because I, I said a word I, I shouldn't swear, and, and our good friends at the company have plopped it out, bleeded it out, so I apologize. So don't freak out, don't complain to me about sound quality, because if there's sudden silence, it's because I cussed, and I apologize. Not not for cussing, but for not thinking more clearly that you'd have to deal with just empty space. I should have I should have paid more and better attention of, of that, so you wouldn't have to deal with that. All right, that, that 
That's my apologies. Anyway. That is a real long answer of me saying, I don't know. I don't know why people want to die with someone. I will have to ask for a survey. So maybe that's the next step. <laughs> because I, I see no attraction whatsoever of dying with someone. No, none of it. None of it does anything for me. If I'm in a plane crash, holding hands, looking in each other's eyes, crying, saying our last "I love yous," none of that does anything for me at all. I just want to get it over with. It's pointless. It's done. Of course I'll do it. I'm not going to refuse to say I love you last minute like a jerk. Wow, could you imagine that? <laughs> I love you. Do you love me? No. <laughs> Actually, the way you brushed the te- your teeth this morning was a little annoying. <laughs> Actually, That's, that's the last word you ever, ever, ever want to hear at the beginning of a sentence, actually. <laughs> oh, no, I'm just having too much fun. Hey, and I'm having fun alone. Um, technically, I'm alone. This is solitude time, baby. And as you can tell, I'm apparently cracking myself up, having a blast picture now. So, there you go. I can't explain it. And someone else will have to explain it to me in a PowerPoint or something. I I will need a... I seriously will need a PowerPoint and long descriptions because I do not get it. I do not get the attraction of dying with others. And if I extrapolate that further, I don't even understand the attraction of being with others. It's a pain. It's a nuisance. I can play whatever I want on the stereo. I can play a video game. I can watch whatever movie I want. I can wander around the house naked. I could... Cheetos in bed I think these are all the things that Charlie Sheen calls winning (laughs) no I don't do all these things give me a break but I could (laughs) I could Anyway, that's the best I can come up with for now. that being said, I'll bring in and tie off this week's podcast. I'll call it In Defense of Solitude. Something that definitely most assuredly never hurt anyone. And something I completely support to the fullest extent. If you enjoy your solitude, then 
I say take it and enjoy it. Doesn't mean you have to be lonely. Doesn't mean that you have to hate being alone. In fact, you should cherish it and love it. Some of the best internal thinking and processing comes out of times like that. At least that's how it works for me. So, I enjoyed my week of kicking everyone away. And I'll get back to the spin of things next week of being hounded by everyone, probably. And I'll slowly allow them back in. <laughs> allow it to get so extreme to where I get overwhelmed again. That's what I've tried to learn from it, at least. So... Thank you for stopping by and listening to my little podcast and my incessant rambling. I do appreciate it. Do click follow and do follow uh, the podcast itself. Make sure you turn on notifications as well. Otherwise, you're not going to be notified when there is a new podcast from week to week. And if you really want to help out the podcast, go to patreon.com slash what slash, excuse me, <laughs> my dog will eat my face. I almost forgot my own podcast name. Patreon.com slash my dog will eat my face. And there you can support my podcast further if you so wish. But as always, thank you very much for tuning in and listening. Eternally thankful to all of you who listen and chime in. And without further ado, I shall say ciao for now. <laughs>